Lisa, you are a mother of nine children, 15 to 32, and you've been married, how long did you say you were married for? Years this year, 35, yeah. 35 uh, years. Now, I, I thought it might be a good idea to sort of, like you had suggested it, that we talk a little bit about what the purpose of marriage is. So can you share with us the, the, the purpose of marriage? So I, I think this is really important and your audience probably knows this really well, but our society doesn't live this way. And so I think it's really good to remind ourselves what marriage is for us as Catholic women instead of what the world sees it as. So uh, the Catholic definition or purpose of marriage is one, unitive, and two, procreative. So in other words, it's to beget and educate children for the Lord and to unify one another to help each other get to heaven. So if we remind ourselves of that during the most difficult days, no matter what kinds of challenges that come along, and we just distill that and simplify that, I think it puts our head in a really good spot to move forward. Now, tell us a little bit more about like what, like, you know, to some people might be saying, okay, what did she just say? You know, that it's going to be procreative and unitive. Like, what does that mean? Can you kind of expand a little bit more on, on what that Sure. Means? So unitive is it, it brings the couple together and you're supposed to help one another get to heaven. You're on a journey together. What, I mean, what is the, the uh, purpose of us being in this world is to know, love and serve God in this world so we can be happy with him in the next. So in marriage, we have that complementarity of male and female, which is not just the biological differences, but mental differences and spiritual differences. And together, we can help one another in our weaknesses and in our strengths. So the complementarity is not just the bodies being different shapes that fit together, but the personalities and the spirit is like that as well. So if we recognize that a lot of times, um, I'll give you an example. So have you ever seen, you see a child and um, uh, playing with mom versus playing with dad. And let's think, I, one example comes to mind is a child in a swimming pool, right? So the mom will take the baby and kind of dip the baby in the pool and kind of la, 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 right? What does the dad do? The first thing the dad does. Come on, you know, Dorothy. Throws the kid up or, or flashes around. Right. So the, the mother teaches the child to look. I've got to turn this off. I've got to pop up here. Um, to look inward and to be sensitive and to be thinking about oneself and to be cautious. And a father teaches his children about the world to, to have an adventure, to go out and not be afraid. So that's just one example, but there's so many examples um, of the complementarity of men and women. So marriage unifies us because together we're raising a family for God and we can help one another get to heaven. So the procreation of children, obviously, um, if you just think about it from a really simple level, not even delving into theological issues, but just look at the world. God creates the world. Trees have an acorn. It grows into a plant. The, you know, the tree dies. The new life is formed. Every animal species, God created this beautiful world. And his crown of creation is us because we were made in his image and likeness. And we're capable of living together in heaven with him. So of course we want to sacrifice to have children. Um, 
we are co-partners in creating the bodies of our children. And then God infuses this immortal soul. And so children are the supreme gift in marriage. The Bible tells us that, but we innately know that. And he does it in such a way that is so loving. God could have created us like he created angels, just create them all at once. But he gave us this beautiful gift, this beautiful sexual act where we can love one another and enjoy one another. And the fruit of that love is a human being that looks like each other. <laughs> and, you know, he gives us the grave, the grave duty and responsibility and privilege to help that soul get to heaven. So when you think about marriage in that way, the purpose of it, um, it really helps put everything else in focus, I think, when you look at that first. And that's why I was hoping we could start on that, because I think all the other things kind of fall in line once you know that. Well, it's um, it's such a beautiful, beautiful place to start, you know, this, this whole idea that it's, um, you know, our, a Catholic marriage is different than, uh, you know, a secular marriage. A Catholic marriage is different than what you see on Instagram and what you see on social media and what you see on magazines and on television or Netflix, right? So our marriage is well, not it, was, it was like what we were talking about before we went on um, before we went on air about that that little tradition. Do you want to tell everyone about that? That that's a really neat tradition with the cross. Well, it's it's funny because uh, one thing that my mom sort of requested of me on my wedding day and I really didn't understand it at the time and I, I kind of just obeyed out of sheer obedience <laughs> which is rare for me um, but on my wedding day um, my mom you know I was at my you know mom's home and I was getting dressed and the bridesmaids were there and so on and so forth and anyway my, my mom made me um kneel down in my wedding dress before I left the house and she uh, requested that I kiss the cross. And uh, I have a photograph actually um, of that. And, you know, she used to always say that uh, as a Catholic wife and mother, you know, you, you have to be willing to pick up the cross. You have to be prepared that, um, you know, suffering is part of the, the equation. And in my book, uh, Motherhood Matters, I don't know if I have a copy handy here, but there's a story about a city in, I don't know whether it's uh, Croatia or I'm not, I don't remember all the, all the geographical boundaries, but that every marriage um, in the church has begun that way, you know, with the cross. And um, if you read my book and you read the story, it'll tell you that there are very few uh, if no divorces uh, in that community, uh, and so on and so forth, you know, I, I am, if I if I can, I might try to find the story so I can read it because it's a it's a beautiful one. But yeah, like this is, you know, Catholic marriages are definitely different. Um, how, how would they be a little bit different, um, Teresa? Like, how would a secular marriage be different from uh, a Catholic marriage if you were to kind of just can you do a quick sort of thoughts or? or? Well, first of all, um, our, our whole life is ordered toward that unitive and procreative purpose. The second thing is what you just touched upon, which is the willingness to suffer. 
um, I've got daughters that are of age that are dating and whatnot. And one of the things that I told them is it's easy to find someone you can have joy with, but find someone you can suffer with because life is going to be a lot of suffering. Um, our first pregnancy ended in a, in a miscarriage. I was 23 years old and I miscarried on our first Christmas. It was actually Christmas day. And so our, our life together started right away with that suffering. And if you can learn how to, I mean, you don't want, you don't want that, but if you can learn how to embrace that, if you can learn how to take that and unite that to the cross and use it for redemptive purposes. Um, one of my nieces got married this past summer during the middle of COVID and ended up only having just a very small wedding party and family there. And she was looking forward to this huge wedding and they had planned it like a year ahead of time. And, you know, and that's not the same thing as the death of a child, but it was a, a big disappointment. And, you know, I could say that's another little suffering. So our marriages, our Catholic marriages are different in that we don't shy away from the cross. We stand by the cross. We suffer with God and we ask that him to bless that. Now, the flip side of that is there's so much of a deeper joy that comes out of a Catholic marriage because you have the sacramental graces that will help you get through these really, really tough times. And, um, and so your, and your marriage is blessed. And if you're not running away from the suffering or afraid of it, you just can have such a more rich, beautiful life. And uh, it's, it's funny because one thing that we don't often talk about, and I was very blessed um, when we were getting married, there was sort of like this 87 year old man that um, belonged to the same prayer group that my husband and I did. And he said, don't forget that when you're getting married, that you have like this bank account of grace and draw off that grace, you know, like in, in prayer, uh, say to God, like, I need the graces of this sacrament in order to make it through. Because so many people forget, you know, they remember the sacrament of reconciliation, they remember that, but they forget that there's a deposit of graces right at that altar for you. And that's why many marriages that are outside of the church don't have that same strength. And so if any of you here uh, for example, are living together, or maybe you had a civil ceremony and you became Catholic later, it's very important to uh, get that part of your life cleaned up and, and get yourself a real sacramental marriage. There are many blessings uh, associated with it. So marriages are meant to be um, unitive. Marriages are meant to be procreative. And uh, the purpose of, of marriage is to help each other get to heaven, right? So being open to life is extremely important. Uh, one thing I like to sort of get out there is not a lot of people know that using artificial birth control is a, is a mortal sin. And unfortunately, when there's mortal sin on your, in your marriage with artificial birth control, it also removes graces and blessings right and whether you agree with it or don't agree with it like you know those are the facts and so i know that i, I didn't know that <laughs> i had no idea for example that uh um artificial birth control was a mortal sin i didn't know it until i read it somewhere and i'm like oh really i had no idea right so um it doesn't get talked about very much um so 
how, how do you tap into uh, you know your husband's inner hero? Uh, you know, life, marriage. I'm sure you would say can be hard at times, right? So it's like I wish someone would want to tap into my hero. <laughs> <laughs> but how, how can we how can we tap into his inner hero? I'm curious. What are your thoughts on that? That's a, that's a great question, and I love this topic. And um, what I'm going to do is provide you guys with some ideas. And I'm sure with the experience that I've seen with the people that you just introduced, they could hop in with ideas on their own. And in fact, if they want to type it in, that'd be great. But the cool thing is, is that no two let me turn this back on. <laughs> My light went off. No two, um, no two people are the same. And so no two marriages are going to be the same. And so what is um, the, you know, the intricate dynamic of one particular couple is not going to be the same thing for the next. So, um, but there are some things that we can always do. So the first thing is, um, other than be willing to be sacrificial, is to have fun. Sometimes we get so bogged down from uh, our work and talking about the children and talking about the mortgage and figuring out if we're gonna be able to go on vacation and do we need a new lawnmower or something that sometimes we have the, the um, uh, proclivity to just talk about that kind of thing. And we need to enjoy one another. When he's sitting on the sofa and you pass by him, just a gentle touch, you know, tousle his hair, or just plant a kiss on his head, or just bring him a glass of water, uh, or you know, say you want to go for a walk, go ice skating together. Find simple things to do. You want to sit on the front porch and have a, a glass of wine in the evening, or a cup of coffee in the morning, or um, you know, if he's running errands, I he's got to go fill up the car and do whatever. Just say, hey, can I come with you? And those kinds of things are really, really. Uh, relationship building they're small but when we were dating we used to always want to be with them right I remember our first house my I was pregnant right away and uh, my husband did all the painting and I would just sit with him and we just talked we had the radio on and I just admired his work and um, and that really is the way to bring out the best in the other person as well because we all want other you know our spouse to want to be with us as well so it's very reciprocal so I'd say that's that's one of the first things. Um, the second thing is, it's, it's to compliment him, like find something that he does and like, just like you would with your child or a friend that you're trying to cultivate, catch them doing something that, that you like and then compliment them. We all want to be appreciated. And if he just empties the dishwasher or spontaneously, you know, get you a glass of water or something. There's a million little things. My husband makes coffee for me in the morning. He doesn't drink coffee, but he always gets up before me and he makes coffee and makes sure that I have coffee. And you just got to keep encouraging that because it's such a thoughtful thing. And then you want to do something for him and then he wants to do something for you. And so it just spirals into this beautiful thing. Along with that, I would say, don't nag. We, uh, Type A personalities tend to think we have to do this, 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 and then we want to check up on it. And we, we don't think we're nagging, but we think that we're just following up or reminding. So we, we got to give our husbands credit. If we ask them to do something and they say they're going to do it, then we need to back off. Now, four weeks goes by and nothing has happened. He could have forgotten about it. You can ask. 
Um, he might be putting it off because he doesn't want to do it, in which case you could say, you know, those leaves, this is going to be snowing pretty soon. The leaves aren't done. Do you want me to call a company and just see if somebody wants to come out? Um, so we always give them the out because we don't want to be nagged either. If he says before he goes off to work, I'm a stay-at-home mom, but so that's the reference I'm coming from. But so if, as he's going out, if he gives me a list of things to do, that's a little off-putting, right? I mean, we, we, some of us have a little bit of ego and we might not want to dive into it. Well, they're the same way. They don't want a honey-do list um, unless they tell you they do, right? So that's where your individual husband comes in. Yeah. So, so I would say, um, and, uh, I just go ahead. want to pause and just say hi to some of the uh, ladies that are uh, here and joining us. So uh, uh, Vesna, hello, Vesna, Christina. Christina, how many years have you been married? Because I know you've got, um, Christina's the mother's group leader at All Saints Parish in Etobicoke, and she's got a beautiful family too. Um, Christina, give us one tip for a good marriage. I want you guys to type in here, if you would. Oh, so Christina says she's been married for 35 years as well. Uh, Christina, how many kids do you have? You've got, I think, eight children, right? Um, hi, Rita. Hello, Rita from St. Benedict's Mother's Group. Yes, and so Christina has uh, eight children. Um, I also wanted to say a big hello to um, uh, Heather from California. And my, my goodness, Ashok, you've been married for 34 years. Judith, it's great to see you. I know that um, I think you go to St. Vincent de Paul. Um, uh, Maria D'Souza, hello, thank you for joining us. It, it's great. Oh, from Guelph, Maureen, hello. I want to make sure that you guys uh, know that we know that you're here and that we appreciate you signing on and we appreciate you joining us today. Um, I, I'd like you too, if you could type in, you know, one tip that you found that's worked in your marriage so that we can kind of be learning from one another. Um, Judith is saying, as an empty nester, practicing joy with each other every day for the past 29 years has made the past year enjoyable being in lockdown, having each other. Um, you are blessed, Judith, because some people are finding uh, being with their spouse all the time hard, right? So that's great to hear. Um, so some ways that you can, um, uh, that Teresa was mentioning that you can get your husband's inner hero out. Uh, one way was to um, just want to spend time with him and be with him just like when you were dating, right? Like that that's one thing we can do. Another thing that we can do is um, a little acts of uh, kindness. And then you had also mentioned the compliments and not nagging. I think, I don't know about you guys, but like I made a huge mistake in my marriage and I still battle it. Oh, um, but you know, so often as women, it's really easy to find fault in the other. It's almost like as mothers, right? We're kind of like, you're a bad boy, you did this, you're, you know. And so we have this kind of energy where we're looking for faults because we want to correct the child. And we forget our own faults. And that's kind of like what I did for a number of years. I think I've mentioned it before in, in my marriage. And so I was like, if only, you know, my husband would do this, this, this. And, and then it's like, well, Dorothy, 
do you think it's easy living with you? <laughs> it's like, oh, right. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, my, my husband's an academic. He's got three master's degrees. And I don't even know what happened yesterday in the news, right? So I know it's a struggle for him not having the breadth of conversation that he could have, you know. And if he reminded me every day that I have this weakness, it would be humiliating and it would be hard, right? Um, you know, he's gone for mass for, I don't know, 25 years to a Polish church on Christmas Eve, because that's what I love. And he doesn't understand Polish. He's English, right? And it's like, he doesn't say, well, every, you know, I have to go to this Polish church. And so, like, I've had to really kind of shift my focus, because I think it's tempting as a wife to stay focused on the negative in the other and forget our own uh, weaknesses. So that's my little two cents there. Um, so any other thoughts, Teresa? Sorry, I didn't mean to take as long. Well, I noticed, no, that's fine. Somebody just typed in that they cook together. Oh, wow. I, I think that's really cool. To, uh, one of your people, I just saw it popped up on the screen, said that they cook together, which I think is great. It's kind of like they say, um, paint a room or cook together and you'll figure out yeah, yeah. <laughs> how you're getting along. But, um, but that's super cooperative, you know, like you cook, you chop up the vegetables and mix up the salad while he's doing the meat. That's usually how it goes around here. Pour yourself a glass of wine, just enjoy each other. Someone just said play golf together. A great suggestion. That's another great suggestion. Um, so yeah, I think you've got a really creative group here. They're coming up with really great ideas. You got to carve it though. You got to carve that time away because society is not going to give it to you. his work or you if you're working. Uh, that's there. It's not going to be handed to you. You have to make that time for each other, and it has to be daily. It doesn't have to be a huge chunk daily, but every day you should be sitting down and you know maybe it's right when you both come home for work from work or he comes home from work. You sit down and and have some quiet time. Um, you, you mentioned there are some people here that have little kids. I know that's challenging, um, but it, it can be done. And, you know, having a date night every once in a while when you have little kids, even in this COVID thing, you don't have to go to a restaurant. You can, you know, take a walk around the block. It's super snowy here. It can be cold. It, you know, you can still walk. You can go. We have a nice skating rink downtown. that is just beautiful. And, uh, you have to find it according to your interests. This so, is a beautiful suggestion um, yeah. here. I just wanted to mention it. If someone is saying, pray and ask Jesus to give me the right words to say when we have to discuss something difficult. Um, you know, some women can be hot-headed, right? Or so it, it's a good idea to pray before you have a good communication. Um, okay, so sorry, I just... <laughs> okay, so um, yeah. The other thing that I wanted to say is getting back to the biological differences. I think it's hard, a hard driven into men to want to fix things. So how many times have we come to our husbands and we've had a bad day and this happened and that happened. And the first thing that they try to do is solve it. Right. And we just want them to listen. <laughs> That's because women are more communicative and we want, we relate, we get satisfaction out of like mind melding with one another. And men, they see a problem and they don't want to stew in it and they just want to fix it. So one of the, the best ways to make your husband your hero is to ask him to do something for you. And sometimes we think just because we're capable of something and we're 
you know, juggling these children and, and this project and that work if you're outside the home or whatever, that we forget, you know, our men feel like men when we ask them to help us. They want to be chivalrous. They want to help us over the mud puddle. They want, that makes them feel masculine. And we, we shouldn't deny that to them. Yes, you're capable of opening your own door. But when you stand there and wait and say thank you and look up at him, he feels like a man. So no, no, these are some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful tips. Um, so how can we become the kind of woman that he's like dying to come home to? <laughs> any any thoughts I, on that? I, I, think, I think so. There are other. There's a few other little things that I wrote down here that, that I've covered in some of my articles uh, throughout the years, and one of them, one of the little. Uh, tips or tricks would be to give a roundabout compliment. So how good do we feel when we hear something? Like if you hear that your husband has said something about you and you hear it from a third person, I mean, you just feel like, like that's the most sincere thing. So I don't know, let's pull something out of a hat here. Let's say he's been working out in the garage to uh, build you some shelves or something like that. Okay. So you tell his mother and you say, you know, he's, but you don't, you tell his mom, of course, she's going to come back and tell him, right? So you you brag on him to other people so that he knows how much that you value him. I mean, these are little things that just make your life more enjoyable. I mean, life is hard, right? We have a lot of sickness right now. Death is inevitable, especially as we get older. There's a lot of challenges. The political scene is a mess. And um, so we need to rely and lean on each other and give these little I don't know, like little treats, little, little gifts to one another. And, you know, men will reciprocate almost immediately. And then you just, you just build from there. Um, so, so that's another thing. Um, uh, appearances matter. Now he didn't marry us just because of our looks, obviously, but when we take care of ourselves, we're more attractive to him. Men are visual. They're, they're very visual oriented more so than women. And, just like we wouldn't want him to come in all stinky and messed up and dirty and, and put his arm around us, you know, I mean, you still love him, but we, we try to make ourselves look the best we can. That doesn't mean be fake. That doesn't mean we have to put on the nines all day or, you know, put on makeup that's not in within our natural beauty or personality, but we should always try to look our best for him. I mean, we should act the same way that we did when he was first interested. And that shows respect to him, I think. Yeah, and I, I know that um, it, it's very, very easy, especially when you have little children and especially when, you know, if you're working and you have little children, it, it's really easy to kind of, let's say even you've had a really rough night, right? Because the kids have been up with a fever or something like that. Well, it, it can become a little bit, you know, kind of chronic where we're a bit ragged and, you know, and like I'm saying, okay, like at least if you're taking a shower, right? And at least if you're brushing your hair and putting on a little bit of blush and a little bit of gloss, like we don't want to let the, the, the challenges of being a mom, you know, kind of destroy us right you almost need to be like an olympian right like despite all of this i'm still gonna brush my well, hair well the thing is god has us all figured out when we have children when we're young and our natural beauty 
comes through the most when we're young. I always joke, I say, it takes me longer in the bathroom because I'm an older model, right? So it takes me a little longer to look at the world. I, I you know, a tousled 20 something uh, isn't the same as a tousled 60 something, right? I mean, that's just life. So, so I'm not talking about having these beautiful outfits or making sure that your hair is curled, but like you said, brush it, brush your hair, brush your teeth, you know, a little bit of mascara opens up the eyes, a little bit of gloss, you know, just most young women don't even need, um, you know, base, uh, you know, heavy makeup or anything. I mean, at my, I just started wearing it just to cover up kind of the age spots lately, <laughs> but, um, be cognizant. If you got spit up all over the front of your shirt, you know, he's going to come home, just switch out the shirt. So you're fresh, you know, put some powder on or something. It's just these tiny little things. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but I, th I think he'll notice that. And I think he'll appreciate that. Yeah. So someone's, if someone's asking here, um, we should also respect ourselves and our dignity for happiness, what do you think? That's a loaded comment. <laughs> um, that's a loaded comment there. Uh, Charmaine uh, Jackson Alvis says, hello, I'm blessed to be married for 32 years and he's truly my best friend. We enjoy each other's company. We don't always agree on everything, but respects each other's viewpoints. Um, he brings a smile to my face when he enters the room. Well, Charmaine, you are, are certainly blessed. Um, let's talk for just a minute, um, Teresa, about, you know, women right now who might be suffering in their marriages, right? Like, it's really easy to, to write in the chat box, oh, my, you know, husband is my best friend, and he builds shelves, and he skis, and we play golf, <laughs> and he provides, right? It's kind of like, okay, where'd you find that guy, right? Um, you know, so, some, some people uh, might have been, you know, blessed with, uh, uh, a husband that, yes, is a provider, that, yes, you know, does love doing all these things, and yes, is virtuous, yes, is practicing the faith, but, you know, I know that there are moms that are sitting there saying, that ain't my husband, right, um, and, and so what are some thoughts about the mom right now, who, yes, she wants to, or the wife that, yes, she wants to be, um, you know, you, you know what I always say? I always say, like, I wonder, do men actually sign up for workshops how to be a better husband, right? It always seems like it's the mom or the wife that's trying to make things better. Um, so any thoughts for that mom that's kind of suffering or that? Uh, well, first of all, um, it is usually the wife that sees that because we're in so in tune to that. That's part of our feminine genius is the sensitivity, we're always trying to connect. We're always trying to relate, make things better, grow closer. Um, if you look at families, who is the one that is orchestrating the activities? Um, getting together over the holidays or having the parents over for dinner, it's always the woman or 90% of the uh, time it's the woman. So nobody's perfect. And the beautiful thing is, is that if you look at your marriage is going to be part suffering as all of ours is. Sometimes it's unexpected, sometimes it's not then it's a lot easier to take. But we get married and there was always something that drew us to that person. 
And so we have to focus on that. And if you do some of the things that we were talking about earlier, like as you walk by him, just brush, you know, brush up against him, give him a kiss on the head or just sit next to him, snuggle up into his lap or bring him a glass of water or something. Those are kinds of things. That's a way a woman, her feminine charm to, to bring out the best in her man. It's not manipulating. It's, it's bringing out the best in him. And we have to remember that when the suffering comes, that that sandpaper can make us better together. It's a struggle, but when you think about what sandpaper does to rough wood, it whittles it down and smooths it out. And so that can, that's the kind of thing in a marriage that is, is difficult. Um, Elizabeth Lassou wrote a book, I wrote a diary um, and I sent it to you before we started here and we'll um, somehow put it up so people can see, but Elizabeth was in a very difficult marriage herself and she kept a diary and wrote about her struggles and her sacrifices and how she would fast for her husband who was an atheist and kind of mean. And after she died, he found her diary and he read it. And not only, not only was he converted, but he came, became a Catholic priest. And I think that's a wonderful book for any wife that is struggling with diff a difficult marriage because it's just very hopeful. And for most people, it's not gonna take a whole lifetime to have to come to that point. But um, no one's marriage is perfect. And the other thing is, I think we have to be very careful not to compare what we see in the outside world with what's going on in our own home because social media especially just gives you a snippet or you see on Instagram what the poster wants you to see. There are so many things going on behind closed doors that we know nothing about. So we should just stay focused on our own marriage, not worry about what's going on with everyone else. I mean, talk certainly. Um, women have always been great supports of one another you know, your closest friends can make good suggestions. Um, but but if there's always hope and you got to find the best thing in your guy. And so if you if you keep those two things in mind, don't be afraid to suffer, but draw out what's the best in him and he'll come to that conclusion. Our husbands are not our children. We're not supposed to tell them what to do or how to change or direct them, but we are supposed to be exemplary and like persuade them through love. Like that's what Jesus did, right? Jesus didn't yell his commandments. He persuaded people through his actions and through love. Um, he didn't yell when the, for example, when the woman was caught in adultery and everyone was ready to stone her, you know, he didn't, he didn't scream at the people that were stoning her. He just said, well, he who has no sin cast the first stone. And so these people, when you treat people with gentleness like that, you coax them. Yeah, and the, the one thing um, I guess I wanted to share with, with everyone, if I could, uh, you know, I think Teresa, both I think you and I are in a, a bit of a unique position because a, a lot of women, I think, turn to you. I know on Facebook, I have turned to you asking for help sometimes because I'm like, okay, she's had, you know, it's such a big family. I only have two. So she's learned more lessons. So, you know, sometimes I've definitely reached out to you and I'm really grateful for your help. And I consider you, you know, a mentor and a cheerleader. Um, and a lot of women have also approached, you know, me and, 
there are a couple of mistakes, like my marriage is not perfect. I am not perfect, but like I've noticed a couple of little mistakes that uh, women make in marriages and I've made them too. Um, but, but one thing, one, one mistake is I think, you know, having a best girlfriend that you talk about solely for the purposes of bitching about your husband, right? Like that is a huge mistake. Okay. Because it's terrible, it's toxic. And, um, you know, like, you know, two women getting over coffee or getting over wine. And the only thing that either of them do is bitch about their husbands and sorry about the language, but that's what they're doing. And I know that in my own marriage, um, every time I came back from one of those sessions, my husbands are like, every time you go out with so-and-so for a coffee, our marriage gets a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what did you get? Like, what are you guys doing? And he noticed it, right? And he called me out on it. And so um, I think it's very important that the friendships that you have, that if you're going to do any kvetching, you need to do it before the Blessed Sacrament. Um, so please do not just because it becomes it's like you're gossiping. It's evil about your husband to your best friend. Like, it's not that's not what friendship is. Um, the, the other mistake that I've seen uh, women make is that whatever cross and whatever cross exists in their marriage, they make it a public service announcement to the world and their children, right? right. So that's like, okay, if your husband has done something wrong, um, you know, the step number one is to ponder it in your heart and take it to prayer. There are certain things that your kids should never know, right? True. Like, and it, like, you know, I think part of the problem with the feminist movement, and again, me and you need to voice my concerns, I need to express, well, if you're voicing and expressing your concerns and polluting the minds of your children and polluting the minds of uh, different family members, then, hey girl, it's time for you to go to confession because um, you know what's between you and him is between you and him. And how would you feel if he is blurting out whatever mistakes you made as a public service announcement to the you know, bus driver and to his parents and to your kids and, and talk negatively? Like sometimes we don't show restraint and we don't ponder things in our hearts and that's a mistake i've seen the last mistake i've seen and before and sorry these just popped into my head so i wanted to share them is um is to to take on the faults of their husband right so you know let's pretend your husband is lazy and you're angry with that and you just can't stand it and then sometimes women take on that sin as a, well, if he's not gonna do this, then I'm not gonna do that. And then you have got a new sin added to your, right? <laughs> like I've seen it over and over again. Well, if he's gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. So anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm going on. I shouldn't be going on so long. Oh, it's me. Um, so yeah, so any, any more thoughts, um, Teresa, about, uh, tapping his hero uh, I know you mentioned well, I... go ahead that you had mentioned that when he comes home to make a big deal of it I think that's something that uh, that you well, had how, how would you feel if you, yeah how would we feel if we walked in the door and he doesn't even look up like what, say we've been gone all day and 
let's say he's watching a game on TV and you walk in the door and he just says, oh, hi, or like, yes, we should make a big deal. We don't know how much time we have with our spouses. We could have a long and wonderful life. We could have a very short one. He could die. I have a, um, a friend, I'm working on our 40th high school class reunion currently. And uh, one of the gals who's working on it with us, she lost her husband at age 49. He just, he was, he just had a, I think it was like a massive heart attack and just died. Like no clue before, no, you know, no sense that this was going to happen. I mean, that could be any of us. So we have to take, make the most of every minute that we have. And we have to let them know we have to, you know, my kids leave or my husband leave and I give, give the sign of the cross, give them a kiss. And I make them look me in the eye. I just, I, I want that connection. And then when they come home, I mean, there's going to be days you can't, you know, especially these young moms, you're busy with chasing the kids and you're not going to be able to drop everything and look like a magazine picture when he comes home, but you can brush your hair and put on a clean shirt. So you smell good. You can have the baby in one arm and the toddler next to you. Let's go say hi to daddy and make a big deal about it. Daddy's home, you know. Uh, my husband, I'm sure your listeners have similar stories. The men love to come home to that hoopla. And, um, you know, so these little things, these little things make a, a really big difference. But I did want to share, I, I pulled off the internet. There was a, um, there was a list of a few things written by a man of things that you, little uh, bullet points of things. Now, this isn't going to apply to everybody all the time, but if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to read a few of them. Please, please do. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. So this is this is by Roland Gilbert, and these are uh, ways to make him feel like a Superman. One, communicate with him respectfully. I know sometimes we have attitudes about our own opinions, and just because you know, we are experts in our own field, whether or not it has to do with being experts in the home or in homeschooling or with a particular job, we have to always communicate with him respectfully. Um, let him know that he's important to you. Try to understand his reasons, even when you disagree. Ask for his help. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Ask for his help. Have a sense of humor. You know, life is hard. We need to be able to laugh together. We need to be able to see, you know, if, if you have one opinion and, and he has another, oh, I know. I was listening to um, Dr. Laura Schlesinger one time and she said that um, you, to retrain the brain when you're fighting, you just do something unexpected. Like all of a sudden you're, you're kind of having a disagreement and you go, boy, you got beautiful eyes or I love you or can I have a hug or your chin looks sexy or something like that, you know, and it just kind of, it kind of resets the brain. And so that's, that's a good idea. Here are a couple. Um, give them a half an hour to unwind after work. Well, that, that would be if the mom's home and the husband's working. Um, and I know that I had a bunch of little toddlers. It is very easy to just want to give them to the husband when you get home, but you'll get more out of them if you give them a minute. Now that might have to be adjusted if, the mom's working as well, but but that's it's worth considering. Uh, do not allow any family member to treat him disrespectfully. If you are in a family situation and you have his brother or your mother or any kind of family member diss him, you got to stick up for him. He's your number one. They you don't do that, and uh, that's really important. Um, compliment his efforts when you see. Sorry. This tells me we're almost done. Um, 
seek his advice when you face challenges. Men want to fix things. We, they're, they're, they're something special because we picked them, right? Like we didn't, we didn't pick a dummy. We picked someone because we respect them and we admire them. And sometimes we forget that we admire them. So we have to remember what, what are the good things about him, right? Few more, express appreciation for his hard work, give advice in a loving way, do not nag him. We kind of went over that. Um, we, you know, society has a lot of brassy women. Have you noticed that? A lot of women, they just, they're very, you know, loud and, you know, I can be just like a man and, you know, certainly men and women have both have great gifts and talents and, and can excel in many areas together. But I, I think, I think husbands like their wives to be gentle. I think they like them to be respectful and it makes him feel more manly. Um, should I say a few more or do we have to go? Uh, no, you can say a few more. Uh, one thing just before you continue, um, someone is asking, and I think it's an important question, um, and you don't have to, like, you can continue with your list, but just have it in the back of your mind to answer it when you're finished, is um, when do you know that the amount of suffering you're experiencing in a marriage is not what God is asking of you? So, you know, when is too much, too much? Uh, that's one thing that pops out. Um, so yeah, so continue, uh, but let's, you know, speak to those women too that uh, don't have a leave it to beaver life. Let me answer that before I go any further. I would say the answer would be when it becomes abusive, if he's constantly putting you down, and especially in front of the children, because he's going to be, he's training them, he's teaching them how to treat you. And if you tolerate uh, emotional abuse over and over again, then not only are you suffering, but you are teaching your children to treat you that way. So that's, and by the way, leaving a marriage is not the same as like divorcing and remarrying. Sometimes if you're in an abusive situation, you have to, you have to do that for the safety of your children or yourself. So I would say um, if it's emotionally abusive or if it's physically abusive, if um, let's say he's um, a raging alcoholic, for example, and He's fine when he's not drinking, but he's drinking and he's he's dangerous or he's emotionally abusive. Um, it's actually a kindness then to, to leave because that causes him to have to change to earn you back. And you're saying, I have respect and dignity for myself and for our family and these children, and I'm not going to tolerate it. And so I'm not saying you divorce and then go remarry, but sometimes that, that provides the reset. I've seen that a, a, a number of different times. Or let's say he has a terrible porn addiction. You can't, you can't sit there and just tolerate that. Now, when we're talking about addictive behavior, we can't change them. People have to want to change. But you can remove yourself from a situation that is dangerous or destructive to your family. And I think you must. So that's that's my answer to that question. Yeah, I don't know. So I'll give you a few more. Yeah, someone had mentioned that um, they were afraid of their husband when, when he got angry. So, you know, uh, again, it's a great idea to get in touch with your parish priest. And if you can 
uh, talk to your uh, parish priest. Someone says here too, don't forget the option of retrovial. I don't know the spelling either, so don't worry, Jennifer, but thank you for popping that in. Um, and it, it's a lot of prayer and discernment, trying to decide, you know, uh, what I often say <clears throat> is that there's no, <clears throat> sorry, no cross-free living, right? Like, yes, you could leave your husband and yes, you can be on your own, but then there'll be crosses associated with that because then who takes care of the kids? What is he doing with the kids when you're not there? So you're going to have different crosses when you're living on your own, right? So just pray about the different crosses that can come up even when you separate yourself. So anyway. Um, but dangerous or destructive, I think that's the key. Get your kids out and go to a shelter if it's if it's a physical thing just get yourself out they know how to protect you from something that's going to be physical if it's emotional uh again you, like what you were saying dorothy you have to you have to figure that out but but don't be afraid to reach out to someone to for support you don't have to take it yeah and i know a couple of people have asked and Teresa, i'm sorry i keep on interrupting you but but again what do you do when someone doesn't have the same faith as you do that when you got married you didn't realize it was going to be important and now you're married and the guys right. doesn't have a faith life um any thoughts on that yeah let's go back to don't nag okay <laughs> show a good example and pray and you know just like you know you you can't convince someone to believe something, but you can pray and set the stage and make it, you know, you got to make it enjoyable. It's like, um, I don't, I'm not saying men are like children. I'm not saying that at all. I respect them so much, but you know, like to get your child to go to confession, maybe you say, I, I have a weekly standing date with my youngest daughter. We go to confession at 11, then we go out for coffee and it's just, it has turned into such a pleasurable thing that we're always looking forward to that, um, that we wouldn't miss it because she's just constantly looking forward to it. So if we cannot make things that are holy uh, points of contention, but make them enjoyable, you know, when you pray, you don't, I mean, some families feel that everyone needs to be praying the rosary, um, kneeling on the floor, whatever, like that's their style, that's fine. But if you say, you know, we, can I pray the rosary with you? Even if you don't want to pray it with me, can I, can I at least we sit with me and I'll snuggle up next to you and I'll pray it out loud. Will you just sit with me? And, or for example, you can say, oh, can we just pop into adoration right now? I just want you to sit with me. We don't have to do anything. And then, and then go, you know, do something that he wants to do or something. So in other words, we, we present it in a favorable light and with joy and without nagging. And then we, and then we back off. We let God do his work because God does not need us to go in there and do it. God's, God's got this and he knows the suffering. And he, the thing is, this is cool too. God will take the suffering that you offer to him because of him not being the same faith or not practicing or whatever. And if you pray and offer that up, that can actually be redemptive and be used to change him around. Like, the more you're suffering, the more value it has that it can touch his soul. So it's like, and you know, sometimes I think once Satan knows that that's what you're doing, like he kind of backs off and stops tempting because it's like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to make it worse because she just takes it and turns it back into a good thing. 
So um, another I think question. that's one of the most valuable things that you Now, another question that's come up, uh, I can't resist because these questions keep on popping up in the question box here. Um, and this is, I, I'm not going to mention the person's name, but this has got to be really, really tough. What if you don't love your husband anymore, at least romantically? Like, it's just, it, it's gone. It's, you know, like you're going through the motions of marriage. Um, do you have any words for that mom who put yes. that question in the chat box? Yeah. We love those whom we serve. So I would, I would step back and just say, okay, you know, for whatever reason, his, you know, vice or whatever, I've fallen out of love with him, whatever. We love those whom we serve. So when we purposely, our, our feelings follow our actions. So if we make the, um, make the decision to maybe make his favorite meal, and when he passes by, even though you don't feel like tousling his hair, giving him a kiss, you just start to do some of those things. It's an amazing thing. You fell in love with him for a reason. It's not gone. It's, it's latent. Okay. It's buried in there somewhere. You, you might've had a, a lot of pain. You might've had to have struggles or suffering that you weren't, um, that you weren't up for. You might be disappointed because he didn't handle something well. He might've become, you know, I don't know, gained a hundred pounds and you just don't physically find him attractive. Um, it doesn't matter. The first thing to do is to act and to make the decision to act and you'll be shocked at how fast the feelings will come back. Um, because you did pick him. This, these aren't <laughs> arranged marriages. We aren't. <laughs> and to focus on that. And remember, you know, take out the photo album and look back when you guys were dating. What did you like about him? You know, what did he do? My husband used to bring dilly bars over to the family uh, to, to kind of woo my family over to him. He would bring these things. I mean, I come from a family of um, 13 kids, so and I'm the oldest. So he'd, he'd be in, bringing in dilly bars and he was in the family, boy. Sure. Um, but what are the sweet things that, that he that kind of won you over to him to begin with? And it's good to ponder on those because life is hard and we get caked down with all this sand of disappointment and frustration and difficulty kind of have to pull that back and remember what that gem was in the very beginning. Oh, that's a, a beautiful, beautiful analogy. Um, just for uh, Christina, I just wanted to mention for those of you that are watching that kind of are maybe a, a, you know, involved with the ministry, um, that uh, Teresa is actually Polish. She's got a Polish background, right, Teresa? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, My maiden name is <laughs> Your maiden name is which, sorry? Klaska, K-L-O-S-K-A. Yeah, okay. So um, uh, another Polish soul all the way there in, uh, you know, uh, Teresa's from uh, Indiana. She's close to uh, Notre Dame. Um, I, I'm sorry I keep on interrupting you, but the things keep on popping into my head. And uh, I wanted to uh, I wanted to say hello, Teresa. So there's another question here. Teresa, I was wondering if you could please send us your email, um, Mary Lee from Ajax. Um, uh, Mary, sure. Can, sure. Can, can you type it in there for her? Or? Yeah. Um, I don't really do this. 
How do I do it? How do I type it in? In the chat box there on the right side. Do you see the chat? Oh, oh. If, if you click sure. chat, okay. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Thomas Klein 11 and sbcglobal.net and then enter. All right. <laughs> Uh, then, uh, there you know, go. Yeah. So if anyone wants to contact, uh, you know, Teresa, but you know, please be aware that she does have a large family and she is very busy, so she might not be, uh, you know, uh, checking email twenty four seven. Anyway, um, okay. I just want to say we got a couple of raised hands here. Anyway, it is we're, we're past three o'clock. Can you believe it? Um, so I, I do want to say a couple things. Again, for those of you that signed on a little bit later, we have a conference coming up on March the 6th, and Dr. Carrie Gress, the author of Theology of the Home and the author of the Anti, um, the, uh, the Anti Mary Exposed, and anyway, she wrote a beautiful book too on transformational motherhood that just got me right there. There was a paragraph in it that I just, I thought, oh, I want to meet this woman one day. Um, anyway, so please, uh, you know, check our website at dynamicwomenfaith.com. That's our annual conference, Dynamic Women. Ah, sorry. Dynamic, W-O-M-E-N. I can't spell for the life of me. Faith, dynamic women faith dot anyway it's dynamic women faith.com three words i'm not very good at writing and speaking and whatever um so do you have any closing thoughts i know i kind of interrupted you as you were finishing up some of the tips do you have any closing yes thoughts? well the closing the only closing thought that i would say is um you've got this God gave you all the graces in your sacramental marriage to continue on and you just have to persevere. You can't be afraid of suffering. You have to um, remember the purposes of marriage, unitive and procreative. And, you know, just enjoy one another. This is, this is a, life is hard enough. Um, help him reach his goals and he'll help you reach your goals. And remember that you're a team and, like I said, if you just have a nice sense of humor and get on your knees and pray every night, then, you know, things will be great. <laughs> they won't be great, like super easy, but you'll have fulfilled the purpose of what God has planned. I mean, we're down here. We're this isn't supposed to be heaven. God gives us the spouse to help us get through it. And if you can get a, if it's enjoyable part of the time, that's wonderful too. It's hard work. So it is. It's definitely hard work. And, and someone was asking about the book of that uh, diary. So the, the book is The Secret Diary of Elizabeth with an S, Elizier being L-E-S-E-U-R dash goodness. Okay, so um, yeah, so that's the book. And um, anyway, yeah. sorry. It's on. It's on Amazon. It's, you can get it from Amazon. I saw. It's on Amazon. Okay, so I want to thank all of you, each and every one of you, for um, joining us today. 
Uh, please know that you're in my prayers. We also have uh, two masses a month offered for the intentions of the moms in our network. So you're being prayed for. Um, next week, we have a priest joining us, uh, Father Charles Forget, and he's going to be talking about Eucharistic adoration. Um, what do you do in Eucharistic adoration? What is Eucharistic adoration? So next week, uh, two o'clock, we have uh, Father Charles Forget. And um, anyway, I want you all to join me in a big thank you to, to Teresa. If you can all thank Teresa, I'd appreciate it. Um, and uh, Teresa, thank you, for I, you. Me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so said they don't see my email here. Well, somebody said they didn't see my email here. I'll type it again. Marianne said I don't see your email. Thomas Clan 11 at sbcglobal.net. There you go. Sorry. Yeah. And <laughs> okay. Teresa, Thank you. Yeah. And Teresa's also on Facebook. So you can find her on Facebook. Um, and I know someone asked if we record these sessions. We do record them. And uh, if you could go to YouTube and look for Midday Moms, uh, we do upload the sessions. It just, I, I, we don't get it done immediately the next day because our ministry is extremely, extremely small. <laughs> and so we depend on a lot of volunteers. So we go to the YouTube channel, Midday Moms, and you can subscribe there and you'll see when it comes up. So thank you. Thank you very much, Teresa, and to all of you. I'm so glad we had this time together. Let's take a selfie. Oh, okay. Let's take a selfie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm glad you mentioned that, actually. Hold on. I got to figure out how to do that. Okay. I, I'm not too good at doing it. Got it. Got it. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Some, some Got it. I want to show you something before we go. If you have to sign off, sign off. But I wanted to show you something. These roses. There's a little story. Uh, my husband and I had a fight, and it was a stupid fight. The, the you know the fight was I like it bright in the kitchen at dinner time, and he likes it dimmed. And I was tired of always having it dimmed. So I said to him. You know, and he goes, what do you want the bright lights on for 25 years? It's been dim and all of a sudden, you know, so it, it just got a little bit nasty and bad feelings. And so, you know, he went into a dark room and I was like, oh, I shouldn't have said anything. Should have just whatever. And then I started to sing, right? I'm like, Holy Spirit, take away my sorrow. Holy Spirit, heal my heart. And I just was making a litany, you know, Holy Spirit, please cheer me up. Holy Spirit, please fix this. Holy Spirit, forgive me for liking lightness. Anyway, my daughter comes home and what does she bring? A dozen roses for her mom. So, Holy Spirit, that's <laughs> my prayer. <laughs> and, uh, one thing my, my mom used to always say, that when you get married, you can't put all the pressure on your husband, that joy comes from other places, right? Joy comes from other places. So anyway, 
I thought I'd end with that story. Uh, love you all. Thank you, Teresa. Sorry for all my interruptions. Love you all. Thank you for signing on. And uh, we'll talk soon again. Okay. Bye, everyone.